All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim, Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Hello, somebody family. Today, we have Professor Melissa Harris-Perry joining us. She is the Maya Angelou Presidential Chair in the Department of Politics and International Affairs, the Department of Women and Gender Studies, and the Program in Environment and Sustainability at Wake Forest University. There, she teaches courses on American politics at the intersections of race, place, and gender. Some of you may remember she was the host of her own show, The Melissa Harris Perry Show on MSNBC. This is how we met, and we have been sister girlfriends ever since. Oh my God, I am so excited that all of you are on this journey with us. Come on, let's go in and talk with the professor. So how have you been? Good, great, you know, blessed and highly favored in this moment. Like um, we got to a point in early April where James and I were both vaccinated. Both of our dads and moms were vaccinated and like fully vaccinated. And and James's aunt who has um, a fairly severe lung condition and my sister who has one. And we were standing there looking at each other. And again, it had been, it was like March, maybe early April. And I said, I can't believe we made it. Like, like yes. I can't believe we made it with, as we like to say, with all the olds, like all the olds made it 
all the way through this because a year ago, I mean, we were like, we would take walks together and be like, okay, so if you get it, what happens? If I get it, what happens? If we both get it, what happens? All right, we can't, you know, can't send a little one to your parents because, you know, and my mom can't do, so then, I mean, and just like that, that weight that lifted when all the olds were vaccinated and we were vaccinated, it just, it's like, it's literally like the light shining again. So, um, yeah. so whatever else is going on, I am fine. Cause yeah. we, made, we made it, you know, to this place with all our old people in tow. So. The O's, I love that. Like shout out to the O's. I hope that I'm going to be in that category one day if the Lord blesses me to be a part of the O's club. Listen, well, if you ask my seven-year-old, I am already part of the O's, but... <laughs> I'm talking about like the old to us. The old stuff. Well, you know, old is relative, baby. The older you get, the older old gets. But <laughs> never lie. I mean, again, now my 19 year old who just will say anything to me was like, man, I thought you were really old when I was a little girl, but I guess you were just in your 30s. But uh, hello, excuse me? Parker? Is that Parker doing all that? You know, Parker is a college freshman now. What? I know. I remember. I mean, you know, we met when you was, you know, running and rocking and rolling that thing on, on a on a network. I mean, I'll name it if you want me to, but yeah, it's fine. It on, is what on, it is. On MSNBC, you were doing the daggone thing and for every guest. I hope Parker knows. And that was before the little one came. I hope she knows how much mama loves her and every guest. You had that journal out there and we had to sign it and write a little message to Parker. So I can't believe she talking that kind of stuff to mama. Listen, and that, that, those, there, so over the course of the four years the show was on, it ended up being two like big, you know, black bound, you know, white page journal books and they are filled. Yeah. They're filled with every single guest that we had for four years. And I, I mean, I did it for Parker, but now I just, it's like the history of the show. It is, you know, if the digital world goes down, that's all right, because I got my little books and um, and just like reading folks who, you know, they weren't famous yet, they famous now, but like, right. they, like it was really, it's really beautiful. So no, you so got your back up. No, it is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So I am so glad to be back with you, the one and only. You know, I finally called you called you the professor still, even to this day. I am blessed to have many professors in my life. And um, when you were, you know, doing what you were doing on MSNBC, you brought a lot of life and light to so many people because you educated folks. I mean, it was really, you brought the classroom to the national stage with your show and i can tell you to a person how many people miss you in that environment miss you on that show and really love and appreciate what the the, the framing that you brought so professor how are you fulfilling that need that people have had to have the teacher in the house <laughs> so, so you know it's funny i mean the first thing i just always want to remind folks is you know, with TV, you see whoever is sitting there on camera, but that's, that is not like, that is not all that's happening, right? So you, of course, as, as somebody who's frequently a guest, you knew the system behind it, right? If you're just a viewer, you don't always see that there is a room full of brilliant people, right? And my favorite part of the four years on MSNBC really didn't have that much to do with being on camera. I always get a little nervous on camera, you know, all, 
like all girls. I never thought I'd look exactly how I should look and you know, like all those things, right? But what I loved was like from Wednesday to Sunday every week, this, this group of like brilliant hard, like work too hard for not enough money, young producers. And in the whole history of our show, we only had two cis straight white men who worked for the show. Everybody else was something else. They was queer folks, brown folks, black folks, women folks, whatever. And when I tell you the conversations we had, the things that I learned, that was my favorite part. So I missed that part, but I didn't really miss the show, especially for the past four years. Mostly I was like, God is really working in my life because if I had had to report on Trump, that would have been, mm -mm, no, thank God Joy Reid is made of different stuff than me. Because Joy is like, she reeled together, she pulls it, she's like, she got kind of like that first gen like immigrant, like I'm gonna get through this. I'm just yeah. like a regular angry black girl from the South and it just was <laughs> not gonna work out. It was gonna be terrible. But these days um, I've been doing a couple of other things. You know, obviously I'm still a college professor, always have been, um, but I direct the Anna Julia Cooper Center, which is a center I founded. We've been doing during the pandemic, we've been doing speaker series, which are about once a month uh, in the fall we did disaster and race in American politics. And this semester we did Black Lives Matter. All that's on our Facebook. Um, for a while I was hosting a podcast with my dear friend and comrade and ally and all those things, um, uh, Dorian Warren. We did a 10 um, episode series and then he and his wife had their first baby. I was teaching three classes. So we're gonna be bringing that back this summer. We have, now that we have a little bit like the baby can sit up all on her own now and <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and then actually just this past uh, two, or past week, I've been uh, sitting in for Tenzia Vega on uh, the takeaway on WNYC. And that has been, that's actually been the thing most like Nerdland, like this really brilliant group of young people um, working really hard to, you know, to put together shows and then the very last thing is starting 1st of June, I work with PFLAG to do a series of um, conversations with BIPOC, queer, and trans folk. And so we're yeah. going to be doing um, all of those conversations as, as digital online episodes. So I stay busy. You all do. Oh my God, that is such a beautiful thing. And speaking of Dorian, I just <laughs> left Dorian. Uh, he is emceeing an event uh, with the New School uh, paper uh, titled, it's, it's about the a guaranteed income for the 21st century, which yeah. is a beautiful thing. And Dr. Derek Hamilton is the lead uh, author on that. So I'm looking forward to that being unveiled and so glad that we have academics like him and others who are really laying it down as you all usually do, especially the conscious minded uh, justice-centered academics about what real policy could look like and the possibilities, the changes that can happen in this country if we so choose. And so I, it was so exciting to see Dorian because I hadn't seen him in such a long time. And, and Dorian's so very beautiful. So it's always nice to see Dorian. <laughs> like, hey, Dorian. Dorian is beautiful he in is many, beautiful. many ways. <laughs> he is so the podcast is coming back, you and Dorian. And when should we expect that? Oh, hmm, this summer, likely. So okay. um, the name of the podcast is System Check. Yeah. 
So you can find System Check on you know, my Facebook page, on System Check Facebook page. You can also go to thenation.com. They've got them all there as well. And you know, it's podcast, which means in some ways it's evergreen. So if you weren't a, a System Check listener, you can still go back and check it out. In fact, we did a whole episode on uh, guaranteed income called Why Are People Poor with Aisha Yandura. Now, if you don't know Aisha Yandura, people, y'all got to get into her. She is amazing. She runs Springboard to Opportunities in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and she does runs a program called the Magnolia Mothers Program, where they do um, $1,000 a month for a year uh, to low-income women living um, below the Mississippi poverty line um, yeah. who, are, who are moms, Black women. And when I tell you that Aisha Yandura will just go ahead and make it plain. So we had we had some great guests. We had, our very last episode was right after the January 6th um, hot mess white supremacist hot mess at the Capitol. Uh, and we had um, uh, Hassan Jeffries, who's actually the brother of Hakeem Jeffries, um, but he's a professor of history. And he walked us through all the other moments of uh, white supremacist attempts to overthrow government uh, in our history. And it was really um, amazing. Yeah, we got to go check that out. So I was going to ask you, speaking of system check, what systems you want to check today, Professor? What, what systems are we checking today? Listen, I mean, I don't, you, you know, I'm trying to get in too much trouble. We, we can do any of them that you like. We okay. can talk about the Democratic Party. That's always fun. Ooh. Actually, here's one for you. So you were just talking about having enough policy imagination to, you know, get some progressive policy passed. And I was just having this conversation with some young folks who were asking me, why are all these anti-trans bills, all these reproductive, you know, all these anti-abortion bills in all the legislatures at the same time? Yes. And I was talking to them about Alec. Alec. And I, mm-hmm. I knew I was coming to see you. So I was like, let me, let me go ahead and talk to a state legislator. Yes, please. About, so where's our Alec? If we're thinking about systems, where are the progressive Alecs that are bringing the because le- one of the things I said to the young people, I was like, well, you know, state legislators don't have staff like Congress people. Right. I was like, you know, like part of the reason it happens is because they're they're meeting a need, right? They're bringing this resource, this pre-made policy. So I'd love to hear about that from you. Yeah, I mean, because I just even in this, you're absolutely right. And I mean, if we can just take voting rights bill for just one example or the bills. So the last count, and I might be off right now, was 361 bills percolating through, through 47 states, 47 state legislatures. Mine's is one of them. And Ohio's bill, it has not passed yet, but the legislation is worse than Georgia's. And you're right. This is not by coincidence. So we want people to know this was planned. That Alec is a group for Republican legislators and they get together and they talk about what types of bills they want to introduce and they do it at the same time to maximize optimal impact. Keyword on optimal destructive impact. And that is why, for example, we see so many anti-voter bills happening right now. And the bills that you're talking about, the bills that are anti are LBGTQIA citizens and the like, abortion, 
or anti-abortion bills. None of this stuff is happening by accident. It is happening on purpose. And I mean, mind blown when I got to the legislature and found out that they were just that diabolical. But when I step back and sit back on it, I said, oh no, they playing. Mm -hmm. And we need Democrats to do exactly the same thing and especially progressive Democrats. Yeah, this is, there is a whole ass organization. A whole ass one right one that is like all right here we go and and you know it's not that i want to be um it's not that i think progressives or democrats should take all of the tricks tools whatever because i mean some of it is problematic right like um, you know i i don't strive to have a democratic president who governs in the same ways that 45 governed right like i don't strive to have someone who's got my party label but who is dishonest who is you know rapey who is you know like i don't i don't strive for that but i but i do when i look at the party and i realize how much power the republican party wields despite the fact that they're like the way if you just look at the numbers they shouldn't have they they should be like a a party that has about a third of the power maybe 40 percent of the power in the country and instead they have overwhelming power not only in uh, you know through the senate but in the state legislatures and the gubernatorial houses and that part i think we should be doing better on i do think there's a way that our focus on the white house and at the national level has distracted investment of the party, right? So I'm not talking about people. People got to pay their bills and live their life, but investment of the party in the 50 states, and particularly in those in those legislative spaces where you could make huge impact with fairly little um, additional resources. That's exactly right. And you know, I've been having. I mean, you and I are on the same wavelength when it comes to this. We, to me, the, the federal level is the shiny object. And I'm not saying we ignore it. We should polish it, pay attention to it. But if that's the only thing that we're doing, that we're polishing that shiny object and we're leaving all other objects dull, i.e. state level of government, then Houston, we have a problem. And it is manifesting itself in very real ways in state legislatures all across this country. And to me, we still haven't learned a lesson. So let me give a, a really good point, Doc, and I want you your, your thoughts on this. So in 2010, I was still in the Ohio Senate. That is a census year. So in 2011, right, the lines are redrawn and we voted. The legislatures control the congressional lines. Hello, somebody on that. So one would think, and, and, and the map in Ohio was gerrymandered just like so many other maps where Republicans had super majorities. So now we've been down this road before. I voted against that map. I actually testified in a court case that was brought uh, by many plaintiffs and the ACL, ACLU was one of those plaintiffs against Ohio's map. The court ruled in our favor. Just That's just a side note. However, I'm thinking to myself, okay, the Democratic Party is going to learn a lesson. And so 10 years from now, which we're in right now, how fast that goes. So in 2010, 2011, I'm thinking that's a long time, but here we are. 
And guess what? The same mess happened all over again. The shiny object that was the presidency and the Congress was polished, baby, and set up real nice. And that seemingly dull object that has the most immediate impact on cities and regional levels of government and the state level government was just kind of left there and the Republicans picked it up yet again. And guess what? They have super majorities all over this country and they got to draw the lines once again. I don't get it. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, Palpocyclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Well, let me just say there's another... There's another player here. Okay. And so when we're talking about the shiny object, so remember, there's a couple different kinds of shiny objects, right? One is money. <laughs> I mean, like, it's you all can. shiny, right? It's money, always shiny. Right, yeah. right, gold, silver, platinum. And so that is the shiny object that um, that Republicans have uh, more of, right? So there, um, we know that Republicans are better resourced across a whole variety of uh, so not necessarily each individual voter, right? But across a whole variety of institutional sources, Republicans have more of the shiny object that is cash. And the thing about cash is that it allows you to organize in certain kinds of ways that can make you very um, uh, capable of being nimble. But here's the shiny object that um, <laughs> the, the Democrats have. We, have. we have more people, right? So yeah. our big resource is more folks, but the problem is it's harder it's easier to get fewer people with a lot of resources moving in one direction. If you got a lot of people and fewer resources, you need something else. You need something that directs them. And that's information. And so part of the problem is that we have many, many media sources that are following the shiny object of, for example, a presidential election. Yes. 
or let's say four years of racist, sexist, crazy ass midnight tweeting. So that for four years, for four years, it was not until January 6th, literally on January 6th, after the man is not even the president, like he's not going to be in office anymore. When there was a broad scale awakening on the part of media sources that their chasing of that narrative had maybe had some negative consequences. So part of what I'll say is that, you know, as the census was happening in 2020, as it was happening in a pandemic, as a census in a pandemic was happening and you had a president who was actively, openly and clearly trying to undercount. He was like, here's how we're gonna undercount here and here and here. If you listen to like NPR, you get it. If you listen, you know, like every other day to certain, you know, cable news sources, you might get it. But man, you would get it, you would get the damn tweets every day. That's it. But you weren't getting like, no, the census is, this is it. This is like you weren't getting it. It wasn't like so I will just say our current media system is very broken. And it is not because the people in media are bad people. They really aren't. In fact, they're incredibly smart, very hardworking, um, smarter even committed. than you realize, committed, they yeah. care. But the incentives are totally screwed up. So our local newspapers are all going away, right? They're all dying on the vine. And let's talk about black newspapers. Black newspapers have d decided they were only going to print good news at some point. <laughs> No ying to the yang. <laughs> and then you have televised news, which is literally owned by, you know, Disney or Comcast or, and the, they just are chasing a thing that is not serving um, the good of democracy. And again, it's not like, I, I like a lot of people who work there, but when you incentivize people who work in a space to chase certain kinds of stories, you are not going to get what you need in, in order to organize folks on the ground. And it is, um, it's a real challenge and it's not one that I really have an answer to, but but it is that I, in part, I want us to know that there, there's the parties, but there's also that media, which is meant to be doing something different than what it's doing right now. Yeah, no, I agree. The fourth estate and uh, you and I navigated that world. I mean, you hosted a show you still do many things on the independent side i think that is one of the answers to this monopoly conundrum of media because there is a monopoly in the media what is it four or six companies control 97 percent of the media or so so independent point, amazon now owns james bond i mean yeah on. i mean really i so i just like our consciousness level because people are so much in survive mode, especially in light of this pandemic, that it's hard for the masses to think in this particular way, for us to broaden our thinking so that we are open to understanding that these things are happening around us. And just like it is 
important to vote and to know why you're voting and who you're voting for, it is important to understand the monopoly power of certain corporations or very few corporations on the media that we get. And it's very formulaic, Doc. I mean, not to tell kiss and tell, but it's very formulaic. Like these networks get what the what the frame is going to be for the day and you may have hosts that articulate that frame differently but mm-hmm. the message for the day is the same whether you're listening to it at eight o'clock nine o'clock ten o'clock eleven o'clock a.m all the way to eleven o'clock at night and i mean that just really you know to borrow a phrase my mama used to say all the time that tripped me out right. i just couldn't believe it so even though it's not state run tv uh-huh it has the same kind of connotation or impact Mm -hmm. because we're hearing what has been set up for the day all day long. And just imagine a person that that's all they listen to all day long. I mean, it's almost like programming folks. It is programming. I mean, and and again, I don't think, I don't think it's nefarious per se. Right. So I, I, you know, there literally is a table with a bunch of old white guys that sit around it, but (laughs) But I don't like, I don't think it's like a nefarious moment of like attempting to control minds. Some of it is just, you know, the evil that CNN introduced into the world of 24 hour cable news, right? Like, why the hell do we need shows that run from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m.? Like, it's hard to say sure. that. And, and so part of it is just like co- concentrating resources. But just again, just to think about it. So let's say, let's take the most conservative estimate. Let's say that uh, each of the shows has. 10 to 15 people who work on it, right? By the time you talk about directors and writers and, you know, maybe it's a little bit fewer or a little more in some circumstances. But all of them work in a building. Right now they're working in their house. But, but usually in normal times, right, they all work in a building. And like, again, you get the rundown and you go through it. What if those people were reporters? <laughs> like, remember, report they go into the, into the world. They sniff things out. They find, like... What we're consuming as news is literally like the ESPN sports commentary, but we're confused about it because it seems like it actually is journalism. So, you know, Rachel Maddow works all day, every day. She is not like she is not out snipping out a story, nor is anyone who works for her. That's that no, no resources are put there. Right. The resources are in the building with the shiny lights and the, you know, the, 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 you know, high salaries. And meanwhile, the folks who used to do that kind of reporting at places like, you know, the Detroit Free Press and the LA Times and Chicago Sun-Times and, you know, the Baltimore Afro-American, they're, you know, they're out here trying to make it on like $12,000 a year as a salary so that someone in a New York studio can report on what they actually did, right? But they can like, tell a story about it four days later. I mean, it's upside down, folks. And and at least when we watch ESPN, we know that the people talking to us are not the basketball players. They're not the football players. Like, we're not confused when we listen to sports commentators and think that they're the players. True that. So oftentimes, when we watch cable news, we think those are the journalists. And they're, they're, I mean, they're lovely people, but they're not, they yeah. can't. They don't have the reason. They, they are not out in the world discovering and finding things. And that just makes us as a democracy, less informed, less capable of- Thinking critically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't, right, you're right. Holding people accountable and thinking critically 
it you you really lose that. You know, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother used to have a saying. She said, we're getting weaker and wiser. You know, she died in 1992. So she you know, never lived to see, you know, all of the greatest technological advancements heretofore, like social media, for example. But there was just something about that mother wit, you know, she only had that third grade education and born in, in, in 1915. But to have my grandma, I can hear her say that to me. And as I look at the world and analyze it through my 21st century lens, there's something really powerful and magical about what my third grade educated grandma that's right. Grandma had to say about technology and humankind up until her death. We are getting weaker and wiser. Mm-hmm. And yeah. on that scale of critical thinking, you know, can we do anything without Google anymore? It's great. Now it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you know, I ain't mad. I ain't oh, mad. Like, like, I ain't mad. Love, no, love Google. Let me not call out Google. Google, you all right with me in terms of... Uh, being able to search engine. So let me back up. Let me use something else. Uh, our, 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 uh, maps. You, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm young enough or old enough to remember, depending on how you want to look at it. When you had to have old fashioned paper maps, if that satellite ever went down, my point is this, that our wiring as human beings is changing. And most people who are on the younger end of Gen X and then millennial and Z and whatever we name in that next generation could not find their way anywhere in the same way that a boomer could because we have become so self-reliant on our gadgets and our technology. Now, beautiful thing. We isn't all bad, right? Right. but if you talk about your grandma, like I'm like, okay, so my grandma was a domestic worker, right? And never didn't didn't own until late in her life a washing machine. Okay. But I'm glad I, I mean I can't wash clothes like my grandma. Right. I mean, on that I, washing board. My grandmother listen, had one of them washing boards. Listen, I, listen. I, you don't want none of that? Listen. System check dot, no washing board. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I mean, my I'm not kidding you. My dryer went out for 24 hours in this house and it was pandemonium. My husband was like, if we got to sell just like like the wedding rings, we about to get a new dryer because my wife ain't right. And I do know, I mean, southern enough, I could just hang him in the back, but I was like, not today. Right. I need a dryer. Not today, Satan. Not today. I'm supposed to get the dryer. So it's not the technology. Oh. No. But I want to. But you know where she was coming from, though. You know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I don't want us to lose the ability. (laughs) So, yes, you know, I'm going to use my, you know, my phone, my Google map. But I also, I just also try to, like, at least look around me enough in the world that if it all went out, I would be able to get myself where I needed to go. And I think politically, we want to do the same thing, right? It's fine. We got to use our shortcuts because, again, people are trying to live their life. Yes. We want to pay enough attention. And the role of media is to help us pay that attention. They're supposed to be shining the light, helping us see it, you know. And, and again, I don't, it's not a critique about individual people, although there are some horrible people. But for the most part, everybody is really quite lovely. Horrible people in every yeah. profession, we might say. Lovely and horrible people. She gave the she, she sister girl look. There are <laughs> some horrible people. And I, let me also just say this. 
about the weaker and the wiser. I also think we should be very careful not to presume that we are living in an era of black excellence, when sometimes what we are living in is an era of black mediocrity that we're just so excited to see publicly that we call it excellence. Because that ain't the same thing. System check right there, Doc. Can we can we rest right there? Look, this is rapid fire on Hello Somebody today with the one and only Dr. Melissa Harris Perry. We just rolling from subject to subject today, including grandmamas and dryers and washing and dryers machines. And washing machines. <laughs> Yes, we are. Okay, so let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about black excellence, what it is and what it ain't. Let's go there. I'm ready. Simone Biles is black excellence. Oh, I mean, yes, she is. I mean, Serena Williams is black excellence, baby. There you go. Yes. But not all of your IG influencers are. So, so let me just, in the context of politics, I'll say this. If... um. If what you are hearing from someone is exactly what you've already heard all day, right? So this goes to your point about the rundown, right? If if the analysis that they're giving you, they're giving it to you in like, you know, brother man, you know, deep voice that feels good, but it's actually the same thing you just heard. Or if it is like, you know, sister girl, you know, feeling that feels good, but it's the exact same thing, then they're not giving you an analysis. They are repeating the talking point. And talking points are not excellence. They're, they're fine. And I mean, make your bag, but it's not excellence. One of the things that you will notice about excellent people is often other people don't like them. <laughs> they take a lot of hate and critique and they say things you haven't heard before. And all I'm going to say is if you, if you look through the land of cable news, there's some sisters who are doing it, who are excellent, who are telling you something you have not thought before, who are also taking a lot of incoming fire. And there are some brothers and sisters who everybody seems to love, or at least all of one or two teams seem to love. Yes. But everything they say, like, oh, I heard A, B, C, D, and E say that. So I'm just going to ask us to, to expect more because most of the, like, those who are operating in mediocrity mode could push to excellence, but we got to push them there through what we consume and not consume. So, you know, I'm thinking about Alicia Garza. That woman is amazing. Yes, like people want to leave her in this place of like, she, you know, founded this hashtag. Okay, she did that. And, right, and for the past 10 years, did you see this and this and this? This woman wrote a book, her book, I was like, I can't, I couldn't even cope with how good the book was. Like I had to put it down because it like challenged me and I, I felt feelings about it. I had to come back. I had to send an email like, girl, I don't know. Like it's kind of shady right here. Like just be like, mm. yeah. Alicia Garza is black excellence. I don't care if you yeah. see her on TV, don't see her on TV. You better know she is handling it. She runs Black Futures, Futures Lab. All the things. But not everybody is Alicia Garza. So... Mm-hmm. So I just, I want us to, to be able to say, I support you, A, B, C, D, but we're not going to just like be like, oh, everything that any Black person does is all good as long as they do it in public. No, we're going to have high standards for ourselves so that when we call something excellent or brilliant or staggering, that it actually is those things. Yeah, from all, all, all. From all facets, all professions, all industries. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're going to weave that in there. The fact that we thought that Ben Carson was great is worrisome to me. Like, apparently we... like. Well, Doc, he was a great surgeon. 
I don't he know. Was. I mean, how could that be true? He seemed dim at this point. Like, I don't know. I think we, I think we called it wrong. I think we should have been like, hmm. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, the man was, I, I just think oh, politics wow. wasn't his thing. I mean, <laughs> really, you know, politics ain't for everybody, but I don't want to take the man's great surgeon, you know, uh, what was the book? Uh, Gifted Hands. Let's not take everything. I'm not, I'm not qualified to judge whether or not he's a good surgeon, but I have to say the level of intellectual, the plane he was operating at has, I don't. I, <laughs> Cause on the medical side, you know, I mean, it was it was it was not meant for politics. It, all that should have stayed over there on the medical side of the ledger, you know. And they are also smart. They make whole sentences. They can tell falsehoods from truth. <laughs> oh, system check indeed today on Hello Somebody. So, Doc, you know, I want to do a final system check with you, at least for this. A segment with us, so we're gonna have to do this again. System check on joy, you know, as we uh, wrap this up. A lot of people are hurting and feeling overwhelmed, and even as we come to try to tame a uh, COVID, there were fissures in the system before COVID. COVID just blew the roof off of all of that, and nobody can walk around here delusional unless they just want to continue to live a lie about the social, economic, political, environmental, and racial injustices that happen in this country on a regular basis. People are suffering and, and, and just trying to make it through. So can we talk about joy from a macro level? And then I want you to take it to the micro and throw in black joy. How do we find joy? And then how do we find some black joy? You know, just as we were talking about um, media and politics having the being these systems with incentives in them, right? And no matter how good a person you are, when you're in these incentives, you sort of move towards that. So we should just remember that we live in a country whose structures are incentively set up, right? Our incentives are set up to to crush us, right? Um, and it's odd because on the one hand, we live in a country with these aspirational documents, right? Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident. All persons are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Which is wild, right? You have a right to actually reach your full human potential. Yes. That's amazing. Like, but the system, so, you know, Declaration of Independence is the aspiration, but the system set up by the Constitution is actually set up, right, structurally to make it really hard for us to do that. The more capitalist we are, the more isolated we are, and then throw a pandemic on top of that. And even if you are a really optimistic, positive person working towards goodness, you just have to know you're working in a system that is meant to crunch you. And if you are Black, then it is a system that is meant not just to crunch you, not just to limit you, not just to turn you into a worker, but to actually destroy you, right? It, the, the system doesn't mean every single person in that system, but overall the system is meant to use you as a tool, not allow you to be a person. So we can't feel guilty about not feeling joy in circumstances where it's all set up to take it. I think, I'm trying to remember the last time we saw each other in person, but I think it was at, I think it was January of 2018 in Las Vegas at the second um, uh, annual Women's March. And 
I don't know how much you could tell then when I saw you. Um, I, I can see it even in the pictures. I was looking back at pictures of us, but I was in a very, very dark place at that point. And, and really interestingly enough, remained there until about the middle of the pandemic. Like when I tell you, ooh, those were horrible years. And not that every moment of those years was horrible because I have wonderful family and I have you know lots of beautiful, wonderful gifts in my life. But I, my soul, my spirit, my yeah. creative energy was, my light was out, was off. Mm -hmm. And it was the pandemic that, gave me the permission to go ahead and be happy. It, it was that real sense that we, that it could be over, that um, this might not be a story I would be telling later, but that um, my children would bury me and be like, well, you know, my, my mom was one kind of person. And then for the past three years, her light's been off, but we love her and off she goes to the ancestors. And I was like, nope. That is not going to be what they're going to say. And it, it gave me permission to go ahead and say, I may never be, I may never have my bills paid on time again. I may never be a public person again. Um, all these institutions I put my trust in may not ever see me as valuable again. But shit, if I'm about to die in a pandemic, I'm going to be happy. Like this day, that day, this day, I'm going to find everything. that may, I got some pigs. I already had chickens, you know, I got some things. I increased the number of ducks. I planted some flowers. I laid outside. I painted my own toes. I just thought <laughs> all the things and all of a sudden my light, it was like a dimmer switch. It just started turning back up. So I guess the one piece of advice I would give to all of us is paint your toes. Get <laughs> and get a chicken. But, but if you can't paint your toes and get a chicken, you got to remember we all are on the edge of death at every point. The pandemic made it obvious, but like it, it is okay to have your light on. It is okay to be happy, even if everybody who would see your Instagram feed be like, your life is whack. So it's my, you, you are here. And I don't think I had ever quite captured that before. And so, you know, so the light feels like it's starting to come back on. The light. Gratitude. I mean, I just want to wrap that up, put the bow on what you just said. It reminds me of gratitude and one way to find your joy in the midst of all kinds of stuff just blowing up around you is waking up every day just to find just even the littlest thing to be grateful for and then claim that in your spirit and in your mind. I have gratitude for just fill in the blanks. Ooh, we finding some joy. And remember, <laughs> the other thing I kept thinking was like, why am I so cute and special that I shouldn't have to live through a pandemic? Why am I so cute and special that that I shouldn't have to live through a President Trump? I was like, Ida Wells was the shit. She was, Hello, somebody. She was the shit. Like, Anna Julia Cooper was all the things. Like, George Washington Carver, who we act like he's like the peanut butter guy. Yes. Actually, the father of like modern science and agriculture. I mean, th like they were better people. Like yeah. they, they did not need a Google map to get where they were going. <laughs> they did it. They did that. They did a whole bunch of the things. And and no, you know? no one in their lives was like yeah. applauding. No one was promising them that it was going to get easy. Ida Wells really struggled to pay her bills at every point, which is part of what made me feel much better. Yeah, I mean, she did. 
we we have a right as black folks to look at a legacy that was left to us from people who are extraordinary but not shiny and like mm. that's excellence like back to your shiny let's they made me feel better like yeah. they made me feel like it was okay to be imperfect and still great Ooh, we that preaches to be imperfect and to still be great and great you are the one and only doctor the professor melissa harris perry i count it all joy and you are cute though but you had to go through the pandemic yeah yeah, yeah. you cute but you had to go through the pandemic <laughs> the one and only <laughs> I don't know if the world knows like and special. Look, look, y'all just don't know. Congresswoman Carter was sitting right here in my living room. Is like, that right? Like, like you, you are my people. I, I love you. Oh my God! Well, mad love to you, and it was such an honor for you to join the Hello Somebody family, and we have got to have you on again so we can do some system checks on Hello Somebody. <laughs> I'll talk about all the things. <laughs> we'll bring Dorian next time too. Yes, please bring Dorian. Oh my God, he is so wonderful. All right, Tim. You know I got to do that one over. But you know what? I'm getting warm. I'm warming up. Hopefully I can be able to say I'm coming in hot. I'm coming in hot. Not yet, though. I'm coming in cold right now. Okay. <laughs> Woo! I'm cracking my own self up. Hello, Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 